1: Hi, I'm Tom Daly, and this is Made With Love. As a pro diver, I thought I knew all about making the thing you love the thing you do. But en route to the Olympic podium, I found a new passion outside of the pool that helped me unlock my power within it. That passion was knitting. And you may think this sounds bonkers, but I believe knitting made me an Olympic champion. I've since swapped swimming trunks for slip stitches, pikes for patterns, and chlorine for cables. Knitting is a huge part of my life now, and I'm determined to help others do more of what they love too. So each week, a brilliant guest will be joining me to talk about turning passion into purpose, how they've made the thing they love a central part of what they do, and crucially, what lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, it's Tom Daly here. Welcome back to Made With Love. Now, people use the term inspiration a lot especially when it comes to athletes. But my guest today is truly inspiring. Like many talented young swimmers, Yusra Mardini dreamed of representing her home country of Syria on the biggest sporting stage of all, the Olympics. But as the war there intensified, she and her sister Sarah were forced to leave and seek safety in Europe. During their traumatic 25-day journey to Germany, the sisters literally had to swim for their lives when the small boat they were travelling in began to take on water far out at sea. At this point, survival was simply the main objective, but Yusra never gave up on her Olympic dream and despite everything, she found a way to do the things she loved and kept swimming. Now, she is a two-time Olympian, having swam in Rio and Tokyo for the refugee Olympic team. She's become a powerful voice for refugees all around the world and her life is now the subject of a film called The Swimmers, which you might have already seen on Netflix. And Yusra joins me now. Thank you so much for coming on Made With Love.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I firstly just want to say, having watched The Swimmers, for anyone who hasn't seen it... I was completely blown away by the sheer bravery, determination, the guts, like there was so much that no one should ever have to go through and you still managed to keep going and never give up hope. And I just want to say how admirable that is, first of all, but I kind of want to start right from the beginning, really. What was your first memory of being in a swimming pool? (laughs)
2: oh god um i don't think it was a good one like when i was so my whole family comes like all of them were swimmers like my uncle and my dad and so on and they didn't have the chance to become you know professional swimmers because of the circumstances like in syria professional sport is not taken very seriously and my dad was determined to make us all three of his daughter's swimmers. Um, and I hated it, to be honest. I was running away from the pool all the time. I was cold. I was crying. One thing that I remember was hiding under my mom's chair all the time.
1: <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. But it kind of makes sense if, because your dad was also your coach, right? Yeah. That must have been intense around the dining table when you were having dinner. I bet swimming was just the talk all the time? Because I know there's a couple of divers that have their parents that are coaches and that happens all the time at dinner.
2: Yeah, my mom like got bored of the conversation basically every day and went and did something else because what you see in the movie is real. Like when my dad was making me sit down and watch Michael Phelps technique every time he had a competition, that was true. And I was very annoyed, like, at the time because I was young. And when I went to another coach, I realized why he did that. And I realized that he was doing the professional thing, the right thing. Obviously, at one point, it was a lot because on weekends, you would see us doing dry land and, like, core workouts and so on. And my mom was like, just give them one day. But I think in the beginning, when I started swimming, I was swimming for my dad's dream and not mine. I didn't realize that it's my dream until i was 15 to be honest i obviously wanted to go to the olympics but it was always like i was a little bit afraid of my dad along the way because i wanted to make him proud all the time and i was just struggling between oh is this my dream or his and then when i was 15 i left swimming for a whole year because of war and because he left the country he left the country and he went to jordan to coach and I left the swimming because I was supposed to go to the youth Olympic games and the coaches decided that someone else is going. And I wanted a competition between me and her because I knew I was faster. And they told me that's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, I'm done with sport. Like, it's not fair. I can't do this. And then I stopped. And at that point, I realized that I do love swimming so much. And I that was not the end for me. I was like, Oh, God, like, what am I going to tell my kids? I don't want to just just let it go. And that wasn't me. Like, I, I don't just leave things. So I was sobbing when, like, the Syrian team, they won some medal in relay. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm faster than that girl. Why am I not there? And then I started crying and I went to my mom. And I was like, Mom, I should have been there. And then she's like, call your dad. If he says you can go back to swimming, you can they both said yes, and they said it's 1,000% your responsibility, everything that happens with swimming from now on. I was like, okay. And I went back.
1: It gets to that point, doesn't it, where you just feel like you can't do it anymore, and it's like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with swimming, yeah. and I just want to go away from it. Like, how did it feel when you returned?
2: To be honest, I had so many challenges when I came back. I had the challenge of, you know, when you leave I did not take care of my body after I left. I just left. I had like a clean break. I was like, I do not wanna get to the pool at all anymore. I don't wanna see it. I was very hurt. Uh, So when I came back, I had to do a lot of training. My mom would like shout at me because I would sleep with my backpack sometimes because I was so tired. Like that's how determined I was to like get back to the top. And it felt nice because it's it's my home in the end. But in general, people were like, oh, why did she come back now? Like she left for a whole year. Uh, the younger girls are now faster than her. And I worked so hard until, you know, I had the last competition, I think a week before I left Syria to Germany. And I was again the fastest swimmer in my age. And I was the second fastest swimmer in Syria. I was like, okay, I can leave wow. now. <laughs> yeah,
1: well that I mean that well, that's pretty impressive. I mean, were there any other factors in stepping back from the sport?
2: Yeah, to be honest, like I had so much respect for my dad, and when he left, I reveled a bit. Like I just got a piercing without telling my mom. I cut my hair short, and uh, my mom couldn't really control me. Like she was, she was very kind and she did everything for us. But like I had a way better relationship with my dad, and I was hurt because I left swimming. I was hurt that my dad left and like I didn't feel protected in swimming anymore because he was always fighting for us so I, I started like going out hanging out with people that do not have any dreams or ambitions I started like doing things that I was like what am I doing like the main focus of my life is just going to school and then getting back and gossiping about people like and I was like that's not me like I have a bigger purpose and I realized that my my role in the world can be way bigger than just like going out every thursday because our friday is thursday in in, in syria
1: was there like a a moment that you saw an olympic games for example that made you think you know what i want to go to the olympics other than the times that your dad said that you need to go to the olympics because i want all of my daughters to go to the
2: olympics i never talked about this before i always say that it's like michael phelps but there's one moment uh she's now my friend but she has been my idol and she's not way older than me like i thought she is katie ledecky there is this cute picture of her taking taking a picture with michael phelps as a fan and then posing with him with her gold medals and i was like oh my god like that is so inspiring and i at the time i also swam like 800 400 and so on and she was a huge inspiration for me um michael phelps obviously i think seeing and like watching how he struggled how he was very very open with his struggles when he was talking about you know mental health as well it just it inspired me a lot along the way to see okay this guy is not getting tired he's getting gold over gold over gold and i did also know you you're very young as well and that's i know your story you're also very inspiring so there're so many people in the in the sports um, that inspired me, to be honest. And there is a, a Swedish swimmer as well, uh, Therese al She also, I loved her as well. So uh, there were lots of swimmers. But I think the moment was Katie Ledecky's baby pig, like uh, her being a ch- a kid and having a photo as a fan with Michael Fels and then them being teammates and her wearing gold. Uh, I'm like, oh my God, that's a fairy tale.
1: It is crazy because when you see someone that inspires you and you have that moment, I have moments like that in my diving career when I've met Greg Louganis who's an incredible diving athlete and even Leon Taylor within Team GB I have those photos as a fan and then you're like oh my gosh like one day I want to be able to do that and they always say don't meet your heroes but I do think in sport it really does help inspire you and you know everybody has a difficult road to getting to the Olympic Games but your journey to the Olympic Games is one for the record books, and like, how difficult was it for you to pursue your Olympic dreams in Syria at the time when the conflict was raging all around?
2: Um, oh gosh, I think at the, at that point when the war happened, you can't imagine how many times I prayed to be at the Olympics and like manifested it, and it was so far away. We have uh, the the holy months in our religion, Ramadan, and there's like one night that is supposed to be like very holy and you can wish for anything or like pray for anything and at that day i prayed that i would i would be at the olympics and it happened two years later so like it's astonishing to me but in general it was very difficult because at that at that time i didn't have the equipments Sometimes there were, um, there were bombings that were happening, whether in the pool, whether in the football fields, you weren't safe. Sometimes they would just call you and then uh, my mom would call us when we were at school and she would be like, do not come back right now because the streets are not safe. Sometimes we'd be in the car with my mom and there would be like a bomb attack and my mom has to drive as fast as possible. We were renting an apartment every six months, a different one, because... The one before was getting expensive. Sometimes I was living by my grandma. Sometimes I was by my aunt. Also, you have to remember that there is cottage of electricity, water. There is no heating. You are just fighting for the basic human rights that everyone should have. And the situation is not better right now. It's exactly the same. But on top of that, there are refugees that are still in camps. Um, and especially, I think no, I don't think I know that the majority of refugees are minors so that's like it's really heartbreaking um but yeah in terms of my career nothing i was ready in no way to be honest to to participate at the olympics and when i got to germany i met this incredible coach and i was like basically my dad believed already i'll go to the olympics since i was very young i don't know why and my coach the coach that i met in germany when i met him uh, he was like what are your dreams for swimming i was like i want to go to the olympics he was like but you just got here i was like yeah but i want to go to the olympics and the aim was talking 2020 actually it wasn't oh, really at the time yeah
1: wow because you, you arrived in germany just before the rio olympics right it was it was quite close yeah. in terms of training time
2: yeah it was late uh, 2015 so we got there in september uh, we were 25 days on the way the whole time we were on the way um you saw from the movie a little bit that we slept on the floor, like in the gardens or or the parks, um, because you can't show your passport when you're crossing. So I was really not ready. And at the time, I started training three times a day just to feel like, to be mentally ready, even if I'm not physically ready. And I did struggle with even saying, okay, I want to go because I deserved it. They also have that in the movie where lots of people asked, was that like real? And it is real. I did struggle with like being called a refugee. I did struggle with saying, oh, did I earn my spot at the Olympics or not? Like, I don't want to talk about my story. I don't want to be in the, at the Olympics because of my story, because it, it has been a dream of mine since I was nine. So I don't want to, to ever look back and be like, did I deserve it or not? So it was, yeah, struggle a bit.
1: I think being an Olympian has so many different layers to it of how much you have to work to get there, how few people ever get there. And just having watched your journey to even be able to, first of all, survive the journey to Germany and then be able to work hard to get to the Olympics, you are exactly what Olympic spirit is. That hard work, that determination, that never giving up, never quitting, it's so important that people see like how hard it is to to work to train but then when you add all of the layers that you had to deal with to get there it's i mean it's incredible and you were talking about training three times a day just to be able to escape is is that something that you use swimming for and especially used to being able to just go in and get away from everything
2: yeah yeah um that's one thing that my dad taught me since i was very young First of all, whenever we're at the pool, I'll be like, hey, dad. He's like, don't call me dad. Here, I'm, I'm your coach. And homie, call me dad. I was like, okay. Uh, and I was very young. Like, I was like maybe five. And that was really, really good because um, he taught us something since we were very young. Um, and it is, you know, to once you're at the pool, you think about your goals you know, in the pool, what do you want to do as an athlete? Uh, You're here to train, to push to the limits and be able to let everything go. What happens outside of the pool has nothing to do with the pool. Once you enter, I think you know that better than me even but in general once I was at the pool it helped me a lot like you know sometimes you're frustrated and you can get that out in training because you're swimming fast whenever I was frustrated with my dad as example I would swim faster than anyone just because I was like you know I'm still the best swimmer you have (laughs) but yeah in general it helps me a lot. Like whenever I was frustrated, sometimes even at training, not a lot of people know that, but swimmers cry also sometimes while swimming and no one knows about it. But it also helps. And sometimes while you have a hard set, you cry about both what's happening outside of the water and the hard set. And I feel like it it helps. Like it is a type of therapy as well. But yeah, I did learn that at a very, very young age to split what's happening outside of the pool inside of the pool and when i got to germany i knew that uh, swimming is going to help me meet new people feel like home again and that's exactly what happened
1: and before you made that decision to go to germany it must have been an incredibly hard decision to make to leave members of your family i mean there was that incredibly heartbreaking scene uh, with your youngest sister and you know like, what was it that finally pushed you to think we need to go now?
2: It was my older sister. She's been a bit wilder than me since we were young. And she's the reason I speak English. She's the reason I'm probably, I was probably a good swimmer. And in general, she came up with the idea. She was like, you know, my all of our friends are leaving. And I think it's time for us to leave too. Because of everything that was happening, um, we tried to distract ourselves from like the war that's happening and everything and in the end I was 17 and she's three years older than me and at the time you're supposed to have the best time of your life and not be you know stuck in a war and at the time she knew that I was the only one that can convince my dad so I talked to him and I told him hey I think it's time for us to leave everyone's leaving they're getting safely to Germany it's obviously it's a risk but I'd rather take the risk one time than every day in my life. Like, And it's the same for my mom, my dad, and so on. It wasn't easy. We asked him so many times, uh, him and my mom, and they said no. And one time we asked him, and I think he gave up. And he was like, yeah, find someone I can trust, and you can go with them. And then at the time my sister saw my cousin again uh, she was working at a at a store and then he came by and he said yeah we're going to Germany so it was the opposite of the movie uh he came and then we saw him we told him we're going and then they came with us like two cousins of my dad came with us and that's that's how it happened but it took a long time yeah and it was so many events that led to that uh to that point as I mentioned, the cottage of electricity, water, you don't have enough money to have food on the table. Um, you don't have a normal life. Every time you leave the door, uh, your your house door, you don't know if you're coming, coming back. My mom would like cry almost every day because she doesn't know if it will be safe or not. But life still had to go on. Like you still had to leave the house and go do your work or go do your training, go to school. So people were trying to normalize it as much as possible, but it was just difficult and unbearable. Like, it was like you're living every day, but you're just living, you're not living for anything. You're just trying to survive day by day. Mm. That's it.
1: And like you said, it took nearly four weeks to get to Germany. And when you and Sarah were leaving, did you have any kind of plan of how you're going to actually get to Germany?
2: when you're when you're in syria you know already you're going by boat it's impossible really? to go by land yes it's very very rare to go by land and 99% of refugees know already they're going by sea and i think in the movie they showed it because people do struggle a lot between both ways, because some people have phobia from water. Some people are scared to be on a boat. And we all saw what's happening in, in the sea for, for so many people. Some of them make it, some of them don't. That's, that's why this scene is in the movie, because they want to show... Uh, that people do not want to go by sea. And if they had a an easier way where, where they can just walk through the border, they would do it as well. But yeah, no, the borders, walking, it was very hard. Someone with us did it and he was pushed back. So it was kind of, we were talking about it. It's not like we weren't, we were talking about it. But we knew already, me and my sister, that we're going to go by sea because we didn't think there's a chance. But my parents in general, they trusted us with the whole process and they couldn't really do much. Everything changes step by step. Like you have to make decisions so quickly and so spontaneously. You have to trust a smuggler in the same minute. You have to say, "Okay, I'm going with you. Here's, Here's my money and for you to risk your life, literally, to get on a boat that might sink. So that's exactly what we did, to be honest. You see, okay, where's the majority of people going? You just go with them. It's not about being smarter than anyone. It's not about a plan. It's just about you thinking, okay, a lot of people are going from here. Is it smart to go or not? Uh, So yeah, you just look and and then take the next step very spontaneously. And I think we were very, very lucky. And we say we were very, very lucky because we had a group with us that we met in Turkey on the shore before going on the boat. And one family had a baby. And this baby, she was months, like I think three months old. And one thing that broke my heart is that she had a she had a necklace. And in the necklace, they had a paper with all the numbers of people they knew in case they did not make it. And she does. Yeah. And we said that she was our guardian angel, and that whenever we went, she was with us. So they crossed, they're fine, they're in Germany. But when we crossed, whenever they went, we went with them, and we we really believed that the baby was our guardian angel, to be honest.
1: I remember in that scene in particular, when you are on that boat, and seeing how a baby, an infant, so young, is having to go through the same situation as as everyone on that boat e- everyone wants a better life for themselves and at a certain point it started to take on water and I, th- I believe it was your sister Sarah that went in and then you followed Sue and also got in the water and had to swim alongside the boat
2: yeah after like 15 minutes the the motors st- started st- to not work and then work again. And um, then the first person actually that jumped to the water was a friend of my dad. He was with us as well. So he jumped for like two minutes. And then when he went back, he kind of managed everyone. He said like, okay, four people need to go to the water. My sister was the first one to jump. She jumped from one side, I jumped from the other side and she was shouting at me, just like in the movie. Uh, She was scared because I have a history of passing out If i have so much pressure and she was scared that this will happen to me in the water because i wear glasses and i as a swimmer i did have a lot of problems with my ears as well at a younger age so whenever i had so much pressure oh i was like i felt like i did something bad or i talked to my parents about it and then my dad was mad i would just lose my conscious so she was scared that would happen to me and then two other people jumped from the back and it wasn't like in the movie, there was no rope around our stomachs and we tried to, there's a rope around the dinghy and we tried, we put one one hand here and we tried to swim with the other because obviously also we had our clothes on, we didn't have a swimming stuff. Um, we tried to stabilize the boat down because... It was windy. At the time when we started, it was 7.30 in the evening. So that time the the water changes, the weather changes, it starts being windy. So it was very difficult. The boat was ripped before we used it. Uh, That's also you can see in the movie. So that was the big problem. It it wasn't um, full of air and... The water started in so we had to throw everything we we had with us and some of the people tried to take the water out with the shoes and it took us three hours and a half until like we got to shore the last 15 minutes i got back on the boat my sister stayed in the water the whole time um but yeah it was supposed to be 45 minutes like the distance was wasn't so crazy like as a swimmer you can do it But it was heartbreaking to us knowing the majority in the boat did not know how to swim because the distance was five or 10 K. Like it wasn't that crazy of a distance.
1: Wow. I mean, you must have been terrified about passing out in that situation. And like, what was going through your head when you were having to battle the waves and battle the wind and worry about keeping everyone safe on the boat at the same time?
2: honestly i can't even remember to be honest i remember one of the things that like is engraved in my memory is me seeing like just looking at the island and seeing the mini lights but never reaching there that was one of like it, it it did break my heart and i was just i was just thinking probably like what a shame like what did we do to be here that's one of the things that i always ask myself but we just had survival instincts. We were just trying to survive literally the whole time. And I was very young, I was like 17 at the time. So we were really just thinking about surviving. We were all praying as well, like at the same time we were praying. So yeah, that's most of the, mostly what it was.
1: How did you even manage to stay so hopeful? Like, was there anything from your history in sport that was like, you know, I have to keep going against all odds?
2: I think honestly, that's the only thing you can do when you're fighting for your life. Uh, I think being an athlete, of course, helped me and my sister. My dad being so strict also helped us. My mom uh, being so kind and and, and gentle also helped us. I think it's the life experience that we had. And honestly, I always think about it and I I say I would do it again. And knowing if if I know that there are people on the boat that needed my help, I would do it. I honestly was scared as well because they knew that I was a swimmer and I did my lifeguard license, me and my sister. So we know what type of panic people have when they're drowning. So I was also scared of dying. I was also scared of someone pulling me down with them or trying to survive and taking me down. So lots of things were going on. Um, I don't think I was 100% brave. I, we were trying to be. But um, I think we were scared of of many, many things. And I think sport helped because of the experience with the water, because of knowing exactly what's going to happen. And because um, we don't give up easily, me and my sister. We're a, a bit stubborn. And I think that's a really, really good quality. So I think that helped us. The most thing that helped us is the way my parents raised us, definitely.
1: And it must have been so difficult as well to watch back and actually have to almost relive it in a cinematic sense as well, because with the music added, the, all of the flashbacks, the, the, you know, throwing the medals in, like, like there's so many scenes that really must have, like, how was that watching that back?
2: Honestly, it was, I watched the movie three times already. And this scene, if the hardest part for me is not watching what happened to us. The hardest part for me is knowing that there were people that did not make it and that there are people that are still going through those journeys until today and being pushed back when they arrive. So in general, when we watched the movie, me and my sister, we cried, we laughed, we cried again. It was emotional. And when the movie finished, like for the first time, we knew exactly why we're sharing the story. We wanted people to know what's happening with refugees around the world. We wanted people to have empathy and understand that we are normal like we're I'm just like you I'm just trying to survive I have a dream I want to be an Olympic swimmer and I don't come from nothing like I did have a normal life I loved my country but I was forced to leave because of war and violence and it made me so emotional because I know my story obviously and I know what happened in my life but I don't wake up every day and think about it and having it all in like two hours I'm like Oh my God, I did go through all of that. Like, it's crazy. So yeah, it is It is definitely emotional, but it also made us really proud to to watch and see what we did and that people also really hopefully understand and know that they can help a lot of refugees around the world. By the way, one thing, the metal, the metal scene, I cried my eyes out for it, but not because it did happen, obviously. It would have been a little bit stupid for me to take my medals with me, but I did lose my medals in the war. The last time I saw my home was before I left for a competition in Russia. I went and I had a competition in Russia, and that was the last time I couldn't enter re-enter my house ever again. So all I had was a was a, a you know a big bag with my swimming stuff mostly and some, you know, national team gear, and that's it all of my medals were back home and our house was destroyed it broke my heart when i saw like all the medals drowning and i'm so glad that the scene is there because i think all of us as athletes like looking at, at that like probably felt a little bit of a heartache
1: I mean, it's just an incredible, and again, I can't say enough how important it is for people to watch and give that level of understanding of what it's like to flee for your life and still have a dream and still push for that. And one thing I found incredibly moving about the film as well were the relationships that you built throughout your journey, the people you met along the way, the bonds that you had with those people that were showing, you know, lots of kindness. And like, did that bring you any comfort at all along the way?
2: Yeah, meeting the people on the way, it was honestly what helped us survive. We were sharing. If we had like one biscuit, we would like cut it in 50 pieces. So each one of us has uh, something to eat. When we had water and they didn't, we gave them water. There's a picture of us walking on the train track and my sister holding the baby as an example. Like she was sometimes we were taking rolls of like taking care of the baby as well. So in general, honestly, meeting them was such a bless, and we were lucky to to meet them because you don't always meet good people, especially on on the way. So yeah, we were definitely we were definitely lucky, and we know now that most of them are safe and they are in Germany, in different cities, but there most of them are in Germany and Sweden.
1: I mean, it is so incredible to see like so many people coming together in such adversity and such tough conditions, and then. When you finally got to Germany, you met your coach. How was that going into a pool and being like, we want to swim? Like, how did it all go?
2: I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't have the confidence you see in the movie. <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted. Like, I, I I, didn't tell him, like, who are you? But we did, like, I did know exactly what I want. And I, I, my dad gave me so much confidence and experience. And I'm thankful for that. So when I, when we went there, we really did not have swimsuits. Because obviously, where would I get a swimsuit? We went to our translator in the camp, in the refugee camp. And we were like, hey, we are professional swimmers. We would love to swim. Do you, do you know any swimming clubs nearby? He was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I did competitions for like the national team. He was like, yeah, some athletes were saying they're athletes, but they weren't. I was like, okay, makes sense. And then like we went uh, and they did a test and then we swam. And the coach was so fascinated by our technique which my dad worked on his whole life. And obviously he made me watch Micah Phelps for a reason. But yeah, no, he was so fascinating. He was like, did you ever train in Canada or America? And I was like, no, why? He was like, the speed we have to work on, but the technique is is incredible. And you're like, I didn't think like that I can, I can see that from the first time I test you. I was like, yeah, we really did competitions and we were really in the national team. And I think he was very surprised. And then when we talked to him, we told him the story, we were smiling, like we weren't crying or we weren't hurt about it because it happened already. We tried to move on. And to us, it was something that was normal because thousands of refugees were going through the same thing from Syria. And that's not a good thing to think that this is something normal, but he was really surprised. And he was like sitting in the corner. He didn't talk for a while and then he asked me about my goals and I told him I want to go to the Olympics. And then we said, OK, we have to see how uh, we're going to take care of it financially and how we're going to like he wants to help me. He wants me to go to the Olympics. And at the time it was the goal you know, to uh, represent Syria. And then the ISC started um, helping refugees and they said that there is a scholarship which I applied for. And that was all of it. Like, I didn't know there was a refugee Olympic team. We didn't know anything. And then Sven, my coach, saw this interview of IC president Thomas Bach talking about the first ever refugee Olympic team and saying, yeah, on this team, there will be a Syrian refugee, a swimmer in Germany. There will be a taekwondo player, let's say, in, in Congo. And the media went crazy at the time. We had 300 emails in one day because there was no other Syrian swimmer in Germany but me. And I was, against it I wasn't happy about it at all because like I was like I was like I do not want to swim because people feel sorry for me because of my story and what happened to me I want to swim at the Olympics because I want to earn my spot and the people who convinced me were really my sister and my mom and dad my dad was like I did not coach you my whole life for nothing my mom was like I come to the pool every day for two hours sitting on the stands for you to refuse to go no, that's gonna not going to happen. And my sister also talked to me and Sven told me, you're representing Syria when you re- represent the Olympic flag and it's an opportunity. And sometimes you have to take the opportunities or they might never come again. So that's when I realized I, I went, but I was not 100% sure about it, to be honest, even when I was at the Olympics. And the moment everything changed for me was the opening ceremony, walking into the stadium, just like, watching everyone standing up for the team, watching how well of reception it was. Like People really were so hopeful about this team. It it was so diverse. We came from all around the world. We had different stories. We had different training possibilities. But in the end, we were all here for one thing, which is sport and the Olympics. And that's what the Olympics is about. That's what the Olympic spirit is.
1: I remember watching that opening ceremony in Rio and seeing the moment when the refugee Olympic team walked out and it was just like you say, everyone rallied around the whole team and it really kind of emphasised what it means to be an Olympian against all odds. Anything that is thrown at you, you keep fighting, you keep going and you keep wanting to get to that dream. And I I understand the conflict you had in your head of whether you should want to hold out and like compete for Syria or just go and be part of that team. And I think the message that it sends to so many people around the world of being like, you know what, I have worked my butt off to get here and I deserve to I deserve the chance to realize my dream it's it must have been so special like how did it feel that moment like you were saying walking into the opening ceremony it must have been just a dream
2: i honestly when i entered the olympic stadium i had one thought in my in my mind and i was like girl it's not about you anymore it's way bigger than you and your dreams and it's about you being a voice, like I started realizing when I was giving interviews at Rio, in Rio, and I was talking about refugees and so on, I realized I can change something, like I can really change something. And people were were listening to me, you know, continuing to dream with being different, with saying, hey, I'm a refugee, but here I am. Like I did it, I made it too. So can you? And um, I do like proving people wrong sometimes, like, you know, oh, lots of people come and are like, oh, you're a refugee. don't look like a refugee. I'm like, what is a refugee supposed to look like exactly? Like, why do you have this idea that a refugee has nothing? Like, one of the things that I was asked when I got to Germany was, did you have a racing suit in Syria? Did you have a TV? I was like, you guys, it's one of the oldest countries in the world. We have more history than everyone. You have to read about it a bit. But yeah, these were questions that I was asked. Do you have an iPhone? I was like,
1: People are worried and scared and frightened of things that they don't know, things that they don't have an understanding of. And I think that's why you have been so incredibly important. And the refugee Olympic team and the movie, the swimmer, all of it is adding up to this thing where it's making people understand that people that are having their normal lives, they don't want to be leaving their country, but they're forced out of their homes. Like you were saying, your mum used to be upset when you would leave because she didn't know if you yeah. would ever come back yeah. and like no 17 year old at the time or anyone growing up should ever have to feel like that and i think that's why it's so powerful for you to be an olympian now and I, I mean from the olympics do you have like a favorite moment from either of the olympics that rio or in tokyo
2: yeah and by the way just speaking giving one last point about that like they give a chance to our food and they love our food. So mm-hmm. they can give a chance to us too, you know. Yeah, Everyone absolutely. loves Arabic food. <laughs> but um, yeah, moments that I loved. At Rio, I loved everything, to be honest. I think I was too young to like just focus on one thing and like enjoy it. And I was like, oh my God, the swimmer and that and that. And I was like just running around. But to be honest, I have incredible memories in Rio. And one thing that I was so excited about, I think, you know, Florent Manadou, he's he's a French swimmer and he was one of my idols since I was young. And then he asked me to switch caps and I was like, hold on, wait, what? It was so exciting. And he did support me from day one, like since 2016 until now we're friends and I love that. Like, it's, that's what sport is about, you know, just showing, showing love and support. Uh, that was one moment. Um, other moments were, you know, just being able to speak to people and uh, being able to see the other refugees in my team just getting the chance they deserve, speaking about their life experiences. My race, obviously, was also a highlight. To be honest with you, I was not happy of the time. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um but the atmosphere everyone just like the crowds i have never had a you know a big crowd like that so i was like yeah. don't look at the crowds don't look at, yes. look at the pool <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> try to
2: focus but it was incredible and just i saw also the last race for micah phelps so that's wow. also very very special mm-hmm. yeah I mean, yeah. it is
1: incredibly overwhelming, like you say, when you walk into the, like a sea of people, like there's so many people it's all crazy. around. And it's, and it's so loud. And I remember there was one particular moment where I was like, that was when I like completely lost it. And I was a complete mess. Was that moment when you were sitting with your sister. And this may or may not have happened. But that monologue of like what it means for you to be swimming. And that you're not just swimming for you. You're swimming for all of the refugees around the world and anyone that's ever had a yeah. dream. And did your sister, Sarah, actually get to go to Rio and be there?
2: She did. And she came wow. with Visa because they were the sponsor of the Refugee Olympic team. And she did tell me, oh, I flew business. I was like, okay, thanks. I flew economy.
1: <laughs> I know they put the athletes in the toilets if they can. I swear. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, they do. Um, it was a really long flight to Rio, also Tokyo, the yeah. same. But yeah, she did come and she came on business and she was very excited and I was very happy to have her. It was last minute. Yeah, she was going to Greece and then um, they brought her to me as a surprise. It was so amazing. We couldn't bring my parents because they didn't have any documents yet, but my sister was there. And also there was like a really special second moment for me at the Olympics in Tokyo where I carried the flag. I was nagging and telling everyone that would be like, The biggest dream for me and in Tokyo that happened as well so it's all about manifesting you know and (laughs) that was really a big moment for me as well to just represent the refugee Olympic team and being 1000% proud of it and proud of who I am I grew so much in the between the Olympics from Rio to Tokyo and you can even see on my like, face expressions and so on. You can't see a lot because of the mask, unfortunately. But um, I was very, very proud to represent this team. And at that time, I also qualified for Syria, by the way, for Tokyo. But I chose the refugee Olympic team. And I chose the refugee Olympic team because I wanted to represent millions around the world, including Syria. And I hope I did that. And now with the movie being out, it makes me really happy, to be honest
1: that's amazing i mean what did your dad say as well after you swam at the olympics and you know realize his dream like i I bet that was an interesting phone call
2: um you're gonna be a little bit disappointed because my dad was like you could have swum faster
1: oh (laughs) thanks
2: thanks, dad (laughs) i mean you can imagine he's like in the end like but no he was like he also said have fun it's not about swimming anymore it's about you know obviously it's about swimming in terms of competition but also have fun. It's not all the time you need to. He said you went through a lot. And at this point, whatever you swim, whatever the time is, it's fine. Because you tried your best and um, you should enjoy your time, really. He told me even like, is that something mean? He was like, even Germans are not getting medals at the Olympics anymore. So you're fine. Like,
1: oh, my gosh. That's, I was like, yeah.
2: okay. <laughs> well, because it's hard. It is hard. The competition is crazy. So yeah. he was like. He's like, "You don't have to be hard on yourself." I was like, hmm, "Thank you."
1: <laughs> oh, and what is your relationship now with swimming? Because I I understand that you're now not fully into the yeah. So so what is what is swimming for you now?
2: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, like I'm in the denial phase. Yeah, did you ever have, had that? Yes. Um, so I between okay, give it a one more try. And just enjoying my time with swimming and not giving any, like, not putting any limits on it or saying, okay, it's time for something new. I didn't swim for a while now, to be honest. And whenever I see a competition or I see someone swimming, I'm like, oh my God, I should be in the pool. Like, it breaks my heart that I'm not swimming. But I think it's also smart to know when to walk away and start something new. And I think now with the movie, and I'm starting my own foundation to help refugees worldwide. We should do a collaboration, you know.
1: Yes, anything I can do to help.
2: <laughs> Definitely. And in general, mo- the purpose, like, I'm still torn between, again, just giving it a one more try or not. I can say that I left swimming, but I'm still in denial about it. Does that make sense?
1: You know what? I, I totally, <laughs> totally get it. I'm in that limbo now. <laughs> I haven't been on a diving board <laughs> since Tokyo. I don't, and I don't know, like, do do we go back? Do you not? Like, do you want to start exploring other things beyond your sport? And there's there's so much more, so much more to life and you want to start living and it's, yeah. so it is like an incredibly difficult balance, Dif- isn't it? Like, it's home. Yeah, and you know, you see these competitions, you're like, oh, I just want to go give it a go. Like, I, I want to be able to go back and get in the pool. And, you know, like, for example, today, this afternoon i took my son to the diving pool to have a little play around and i went just for fun is that something that you ever do do you ever just go into the pool and have yeah. like a you do yeah so you're still swimming kind of
2: yeah so i am at i'm at the university of south in california i don't know if you saw the pool if you're ever in la let me know because the pool is incredible I've and been to that it's pool. it's an outdoor it's amazing yeah and um whenever i'm there i'm like oh i want to swim there's sun there's the pool the blue water and but I'm doing gym I'm going running which is odd for a swimmer I guess (laughs) but I love running it's just I think I'm exploring other areas as well (laughs) it's a bit silly but I'm thinking about doing athletics something with running because I liked when I was young they wanted me to change to athletics and I said no so maybe who knows? Okay, have we, no we have theory. to
1: watch this space cuz like <laughs> and I know outside of sports you're also a UN Goodwill Ambassador, right? And you were like what yes, the yes. youngest at the time?
2: Yeah, I was the youngest appointed, yeah.
1: Wow. That's incredible. Like what are what are the kind of things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis with all of that stuff? And what advice would you give to any athlete in particular, I guess, but anyone that feels like they have a dream and that they feel like there's so many obstacles in the way that it's impossible for them. But I mean, you're living proof that you should never give up on your dreams.
2: Thank you. So yeah, with UNHCR, I visit camps, as example, like we visited one of the largest camps in in Jordan and I talk to refugees. I listen to them and their stories and I try to understand what they need and how can we help. I speak at high-level events such as World Economic Forum, to also let people know how they can help refugees and to tell my story and to show there are also success stories. And if we help those people, we help refugees worldwide we can make a difference and i always say that but a lot of people are like scared of refugees coming to their country and stealing their jobs or whatever and i'm like if you're good at your job no one steals it from you you know it's just a fair opportunity and in general they're not doing anything bad they want to work they just want to have a safe place to to grow up to have their future life and they don't want to be worried about their kids every time they leave the house. They don't wanna you know the first years of war in Syria. it was like, "Oh, we won't go out. We'll stay home and close the door and then the bombs starting you know falling on buildings, so we we're like, even if you're in your bedroom, you might have lost your life too, so that's what we told my mom. We were like, whether we're here or outside, you know it can happen, so you have to be okay with us going out and yeah, in general, my advice to be honest is be stubborn, be uh, passionate. If you're passionate about something, if you love something, you know, from the bottom of your heart, keep doing it. A lot of people will, you know, question your intentions. A lot of people will question your abilities, but you're the only one who can say if you can do it or not. And a lot of times our human nature tells us that we can't do it, but we can. And you always have to think, about the positive things in a bad situation or any situation. And that's that's the thing that, you know, moved me forward in life the most. Whenever I had any situation in life, I tried to get one positive thing out of it. To be like, oh, here we are. I am in a camp. I'm in a camp right now. You know, I don't have a home. I left my country. I left my home and everything. But I have amazing people here with me. And I'm getting to know new people. And they're sharing their food with me. So I win, you know. Own who you are. Work hard for your dreams, and you know, do not listen to people, even if they're clo- your close family. Listen to your, you know, heart, and keep going until you are where you want to be.
1: I mean, those are some inspiring words. And at the end of the film, one of the things that shocked me was having seen your relationship with your sister. Grow and grow and strengthen and strengthen, go through ups and downs and disagreements. But you got there, and then Sarah's decides to go back to help other refugees and is facing a possible 25 year sentence in prison. Yeah,
2: it's just that's... like, what
1: is that relationship like now? That must be terrifying. I it's imagine just,
2: it's di- it did honestly change a lot for her, and it did change her a lot as well. Because, um, yeah, back I think four years ago or five years ago. They they put her in jail and, and some other people as well that were volunteering in Greece. And they charged them with things like fraud, smuggling, money laundering, lots of crazy things that my sister would never do. She was just helping people. She was translating, trying to get people out of the, you know, the water when they arrived. That's it. They're giving them blankets, helping them food. And after after three months, we bailed her out. And until today, there is no trial. But yes, she can face her and the other people up to 25 years in jail. There's a petition that everyone can sign. Uh, there's an Instagram account called Free Humanitarians, and they deal with a lot of cases, not just my sister, but a lot of uh, humanitarian cases and wrongfully jailed people. Um, so honestly, we did like our relationship, me and my sister, drifted a bit because I was focusing a lot on the Olympics and swimming and. I never had time and I wasn't really fair to my family. I wasn't seeing them a lot. And I think when COVID hit, I distanced myself more because I was afraid if I get COVID, I won't go to the Olympics. So I think you, yeah, you probably also experienced that. Like all of us were isolated from training back home, home training, mask all the time. And I probably did not show enough love at the time and our relationship drifted. But when we saw the movie together, our relationship, Got stronger, to be honest. And I realized that she's been there for me my whole life, and the same for her. And she is my rock, whether I like it or not. Yeah, we do have a lot of disagreements, but uh, we know that it's a healthy thing.
1: And when you were saying about the petition, like we'll put all of those links below yeah. in the description, and everything, so Thank people you. can go and check it out because it's incredibly important. But before we get on to the Made with Love letter that I've asked you to write, I guess, is there any advice that you would give to anyone that wants to help refugees?
2: I think we as people have the power to change the government's minds because there's a lot of pushback from that side. I think if we stand together, we can change something, we can uh, let the government know that we want to welcome refugees in our countries, there is enough space for refugees here. And if you think about it, and if you look back to history, refugees were here since ages, and they were, they're not coming only from Syria or Africa, they came from Europe too at a time. And the biggest example is what's happening with Ukraine right now. So, I always say a refugee is a refugee, no matter where they come from, we have to welcome them because those people need our help. And I'm not saying open the door for them and let them in your home, but there are so many things. As example, in Germany, there are organizations where German people can go out with a refugee and they teach them the the language, they speak with them, and they can help them with the paperwork, as example. And it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's just as simple as you know going out once with a refugee and helping them with their paperwork or their language or going out and getting a meal. Um, just make them feel welcome. There are also a lot of incredible organizations such as Choose Love. There's I work with UNHCR. There is um, Give Best UK, as example. Um, there are a few really really good organization there. There are, there is one organization. That I really love. It's called Epimonia, and they recycle the life jackets into bracelets. They recycle life jackets into phone covers, into they put them on the hoodies. And I think that's also a reminder that refugees still exist. Um, I obviously think that people can donate and educate themselves better, knowing that now is a really, really um, you know rough winter, and there are refugees and kids, especially that are intense. And they need our help and our donations yeah. for sure
1: it's also that thing of you never know when it could be you like that moment you're saying about ukraine exactly. and Syria, like in afghanistan like there's so many places where you just never know when it's going to be you and show that kindness is incredibly important and i just want to say thank you so much for joining me and before we go I ask people on the podcast to write a letter to someone, a place or a thing that has made you with love. And I would love to hear yours. If you could, first of all, tell us who it is addressed to and fire away with your letter.
2: I honestly did not write it down. I'm going to go from the heart. I love that to go from the heart. And um, it is to swimming. Yeah, I just want to say thank you to swimming for giving me the biggest opportunities of my life, for introducing me to amazing people, and for teaching me never to give up. For teaching me that I'm gonna fall so many times before I get up and uh, be strong. And I also want to say thank you to swimming for letting me be at the Olympics and letting me be an Olympian. And Also, the most important thing that I want to say is that swimming did save my life. And without being a swimmer, I don't know if I would have had the courage to cross the sea and be three hours and a half in the water. Um, Water is my element and is my home. And I think that helped me on the way to survive, of course. And when I did not have any home anymore and I was a stranger in a new country, the water was my home again, and I am forever thankful for that. Um, again, in Germany, uh, the water did introduce me to so many people. Swimming did introduce me to so many people that are now my best friends, that are now my family. Uh, it, it taught me that I'm gonna have face a lot of challenges, but not giving up is definitely the solution. So really, I do owe my life to swimming, and I'm forever thankful that I'm a swimmer and athlete. Really, I, I do not regret a moment of of swimming.
1: Oh, that is so beautiful to hear you talk about a sport like that. It is, it like you say, it has taught you so much. It has taught you like the life skills that you can use in the pool, outside of the pool. And it gave you hope and it gave you that dream to keep going and that passion. And I just think you are an incredible human being that has achieved so much against the greatest of odds and your story is just so inspiring to so many people and i urge everyone like i said to go watch the swimmers and take the time to look at some of the links below but again thank you so much it has been a pleasure to speak to you and all the best with your studies as well thank you thank you thank you so much for
2: having me it was lovely
1: I want to say a big thank you to you as well for listening. Join me again next week on Made With Love when I'll be chatting to another amazing guest about making the things they love a driving force in their lives. Made With Love was hosted by me, Tom Daly, and produced by Emma Roberts for Spiritland Productions. Our engineer today was Gareth Isles and our assistant producer is Nadine Peters. I really hope you can join me next week, but in the meantime, don't forget to tap into the things that you love and whatever it is that brings you joy.
2: Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash
0: style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth.